Addendum 6666.7. Paragon Leadership Meeting. Transcript 2. The following is an excerpt from a recorded meeting of Project Paragon Leadership held on May 2nd, 2019. Internal audio recording transcript. In attendance, Paragon Director Shannon Lancaster. Foundation Technology Director Kane Pathos Crow. Department of Antediluvian Research Director Corinne Malthus. SCP-6666 Lead Researcher Drive Osman Isles. Het, 1 Commander Cecilia Estray. Also in attendance remotely. Toby Mills, Paragon Admin. Rodney Gutierrez, Paragon Admin. Corey Peters, Paragon Admin. Joseph Wall, Paragon Admin. Lindsay Frazier, Paragon Admin. Hiroko Ledoux, Paragon Financial. Janice Mendez, Paragon Financial. Earl McCarthy, Paragon Logistics. Dow Kingzo, Paragon Scientific. Dr. Brent Grant, Paragon Scientific. Domingo Rainey, Paragon Research. Len Rosser, Paragon Research. Dr. Megan Wiles, Western Regional Command Administration. Dr. Jean Van Blank, Western Regional Command Administration. Eileen Torre, Western Regional Command Administration. Assistant Director Xu Xiaoling, Technology. Dr. Cameron St. Pierre, Ethics Committee Liaison. Dr. Loman Hall, Ethics Committee. Dr. Jen Zen, Ethics Committee. Dr. Patricia Dane, Ethics Committee. Dr. Sam Olawe, Ethics Committee. Dr. John German, Ethics Committee. Director Carlisle Actis, Classification Committee. Quentin Page, Overseer Council Liaison. 05-1-05-3-05-12. Director Lancaster. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming all the way out here. Dr. Crow, thank you for making the trip. Director Pathos Crow. Of course, I appreciate the invitation. All right then, Dr. Malthus, I yield the floor. Director Malthus. Thank you, Director Lancaster. And thank you, ladies, gentlemen, and esteemed persons of Project Paragon and the Greater Foundation staff for joining us. If you do not know me, my name is Corinne Malthus, and I'm the director of the Foundation's newest, oldest department, the Department of Antediluvian Research. We are historians, collectors of information that has long since been buried by the sands of time. And we have made it our goal to catalogue and identify as much of this history as we can, before it's too far gone. Director Malthus gestures to the projector screen where a list of dates is shown. Despite what you might have been taught, it is now understood that while modern human history has been ongoing for just the last 300,000 years, the true story of our history extends for many, many hundreds of thousands of years before that, if not further. What occurred 300,000 years ago was a great migration of our ancestors from Africa and the Fertile Crescent, where they had settled after the recession of the floodwaters. Floodwaters? You're probably asking yourself right now, did she say floodwaters? As many of you have already picked up on by now, the diluvian bit of antediluvian does indeed refer to the Great Flood, a worldwide anomalous natural disaster that is believed to have occurred sometime between four and 500,000 years ago, which devastated any extent societies that existed at the time and created a massive upheaval in the natural order of dominance on this planet. Most evidence of the places, events and persons we study in the door was lost during this event, which itself is believed to have lasted for a hundred years or more. Those who did not race to high ground 
or build themselves a suitable vessel, were, as expected, washed away when the waters fell, as was any history of them ever existing at all. However, our research goes back even further than that, back to the very beginning of the world itself. SCP-4840, the flying city of Ordopalpidopolis, is a broken fragment of the first city ever built on this planet, millions and millions of years ago. A proto-human, known as Asim, was said to be its first king, and mankind as a whole was born there. Those early humans, which we would call Eternals now, though whether or not they are really eternal, is a subject of some debate, were structurally similar to you. And I now, albeit different in many critical ways, more so than just their lifespans. SCP-073 and SCP-076, for example, are two of these early humans who have persisted in their own way for many, many millions of years. But wait, you might be thinking, what happened before that? The short answer is, we don't know. Human beings are the only creatures on this planet that have a written record of their history that we can translate over long periods of time, so anything else that existed at the time is lost to us, in one way or another. But there were other beings in existence back then, and this is when I need to tell you to take my hand and step blindly off the cliff, because we need to have a discussion about gods. Yes, gods exist. If working for the Foundation had not yet convinced you of this, trust my words now. They exist, and they are powerful, and their actions are felt in our daily lives even now. Ah, yes, Miss Torre, you have a question. Eileen Torre. Thank you, Doctor. When you say gods, what kind of entity are you referring to specifically? A great question. There are a number of entities of great power that would be considered godlike by most peoples, but the entities we are referring to are of a more fundamental variety. So, of the gods who resided in Order Papadopoulos back in those ancient days, we know of a couple, thanks in no small part to SCP-4840-A, himself one of the Eternals. We know of Mekain, the god who was broken, and whose remnants are now the subject of worship by Bumaro's church. We also know of Yaldabaoth, revered above all by the Divites, and now whose power is siphoned by the Sarkis cults. Both of these gods are connected in ancient texts to mankind. However, there were also other beings alive at the same time as us, who predate humanity by untold millions of years. Those were the Fae, the Fair Folk, the Fairies, the Queer Peoples. They are like us insomuch that they are sentient humanoid entities generally, but beyond that, they could not be more different than we are. But they also worshipped gods, most of which you've probably never heard of. A god of night, a god of day, a god of sunrise and sunsets, and Gaia, the goddess of the earth itself. But above all else, they worshipped the goddess of starlight and wishes Ea. Now Ea, in ancient legend, was a goddess who walked over the canopies of the fairies' great forests, and granted their wishes, and who would sing to them in the twilight of the world. She was the fairest of the fairy gods, and the one they loved the most. Most depictions of Ea, who was later called Titania by the first men to encounter the fairies, are of a being much like a fairy herself. But some others depict her as a star, or as a beam of moonlight, and even others depict her as a sort of mother tree in the heart of the fairies' dark forest. That leads us to where we are now. We believe the dead tree hanging upside down in the cavern below us is, or at least was, the fairy goddess Titania. Samples taken from the artifact at the heart of SCP-2932, while still inconclusive, 
share undeniable similarities with SCP-6666 and SCP-2932-A seems confident that the artifact originates from the same goddess that was worshipped by the fairies. Without bringing one of the Eshu entities here to confirm it with their own eyes, there's no way to be absolutely certain. And truthfully, our research has shown that they are cagey at best in discussing the goddess at all. But we still feel some assuredness that we know what we're dealing with here. Yes, Mr. Gutierrez? Rodney Gutierrez. Are we assuming that this tree goddess is herself now dead as well? Dr. Isles. That is what we believe, yes. Dr. Van Blank. Do we know what caused this? Only speculation at this point, I'm afraid. The removal of the SCP-2932 artifact from within SCP-6666 could have certainly done it. Though we have reason to believe that the artifact was removed after SCP-6666 was already dead. Hiroko Ledoux. But the entity is still mobile, correct? Your fire teams have had to burn back new growth. Pet, one Commander Estray. Correct. We have some speculation for why that is as well, but suffice to say that the tree is the corpse of a god. Any traditional understanding of what it is and is not capable of doing should be taken with a grain of salt. Director Actus. And the entity inside of SCP-6666, the humanoid creature, what do we know about its origin? Yes, good. We were going to go there next. Dr. Isles, if you would. Thank you, Director. The entity in the tree is believed to be one of four ancient, powerful entities we've taken to calling the primeval demons. Prior to the Great Flood, there were numerous human civilizations over the span of tens of thousands of years. But the longest lasting of these was called the Sky Kings of Apollyon. Using information gathered during investigation of the SCP-4812 entities, we came to learn that the four entities were warriors who lived in that kingdom at the same time, and were each affected by an unknown thaumatological event near the collapse of that civilization that altered their nature and turned them into the creatures we see today. The four of them, Laire, Lancelot, Hector, and Ogier, were such important figures in the history of those early people that their names survived over thousands of years and were eventually worked into more modern folklore. Since the discovery of SCP-4840-B, We've been assisting Director Lancaster and Project Paragon with the study and containment of these entities. The Foundation has had SCP-2254, the Demon Lahaya, contained for some time without knowing what it was. As usual, information gathered from SCP-4840 illuminated us to a lot of things, including the origin of 2254 and 4840-B, the Demon Lancelot. Each of them, according to the old texts, was afflicted by a different curse placed on them by a fairy princess, lust for Lahaya, wrath for Lancelot, despair for Ogier, and for our friend Hector, agony. The reason we founded Project Paragon was to mitigate the effects of these emerging entities. The Global Occult Coalition opened an ancient tomb in 2002 that we believe contained an entity somehow related to the curses placed on the four demons which themselves are related to the three SCP-4812 entities. All of them are connected to the same event, described in the text as the desecration of a fey princess. If I'm not mistaken, Malthus can back me up here. We believe that the Eros entity that the Coalition found in that tomb is the same fey princess that created SCP-4812, SCP-2254, SCP-4840-B, 
SCP-6666-A, and the last undiscovered demon, Ogier. That is correct. Oh, 05-1. So, what is our next move? Glad you asked, Overseer. Beneath SCP-6666 is a large forest that we believe contains ruins of antediluvian origin that were pulled into the cavern by SCP-6666. There's a potential treasure trove of information down there, preserved by seemingly anomalous means, that could be unimaginably useful to our efforts going forward. Project Paragon is working to mitigate the possible effects of the 4812 entities, as well as whatever damage could be caused by these four demons. It's been 17 years since the GOC dug up Eros, and 4812-K has been getting more and more aggressive during that time. We have reason to believe things are building to a head, and the more data we have available, the more prepared we'll be to handle these threats. So, what I'd like to do is propose a manned expedition into the forest. Our drones aren't capable of going through there, but an armed detail from HET, as well as several of our own researchers and support staff, should be able to make progress enough to confirm whether or not we'll find what we're looking for in there. Oh, 05-3. What are the limiting factors? The distance between the launch pad of Delta Tower and the floor of the void is over 35 kilometers. Currently, our plan is to lower the team down by cable car. Our fastest models traveling at a safe speed to move all the necessary personnel and equipment can get the team to the landing site in just over six hours. The other issue is one of pressure. The air at the bottom of the cavern is very rich. We believe it's breathable, but the return trip will have to be a long one to avoid decompression sickness. Just over 24 hours. The larger issue is the smog. SCP-6666 creates this particulate substance from out of that opening in its side, and the substance is an extremely potent neurotoxin. Short-term exposure is a full shutdown of most neurological processes, and long-term exposure is CNS depression and then death. Our insertion suits can filter the substance out of the air, but the concern is that even a slight exposure to the residue on the suit's exteriors during transport could be deadly. So we've devised a plan to mitigate the effects of this substance, at least in the short term. So, we have a twofold plan in place to limit the danger. Two members of HET, one will carry with them light flamethrowers to help with clearing a pathway and with limiting the amount of this pollen in the air. We also, uh, we plan on putting a temporary foam seal here over the open gash in SCP-6666. Oh, 05-12. How do you plan on accomplishing this? With help from our Foundation Plastics Division, we've developed a high-density polyethylene foam that can be sprayed at range from any of our Mark 7 vehicles. It fully sets within a few minutes, and once we've got the opening sealed up, we just wait 20 hours for the remaining dust in the air to settle, and our teams can proceed as intended. This is actually what my team has been working on the past few months under Operation Cauterize. It shouldn't do any actual lasting harm to the anomaly itself, and will break down over a period of about five weeks. But the seal is rigid while in place. Do you expect SCP-6666-A to give you any trouble? Not especially. We can attempt a sedative if the entity attempts to interfere. And if that isn't sufficient, we can bind the entity using cable launchers mounted on Charlie Tower. Realistically, we just need to keep 6666-A occupied until the foam sets up. 
It's as hard as rock once it sets, and should mechanically seal itself into the rough opening. Very good. Director Lancaster, please keep my office in the loop. I want to know the moment we have boots on the ground. Yes, sir, of course. We'll take questions here in a moment, but if nobody else has anything, then I'll dismiss us all. I know Director Crow and Commander Eastray have more preparations to get to. Very good. Thank you all for your time, and we'll reconvene post-operation. Addendum 6666.8, Staff Psychology Report. Note, the following is a log compiled by staff psychologist Dr. Rich Arnold of Paragon Staff Psychological Complaints between January 2018 and May 2019. Log template is as follows. Name. Date. Symptoms and notes. Simon Cantrell. February 13th, 2018. Anxiety, depression. Symptoms believed to have been brought on by workplace condition. Subject is afraid of heights. Recommend moving to an alternate site. Ricardo Barros, March 24th, 2018. Depression. Subject is generally unhappy about their extended assignment. Natalia Bezerra, March 26th, 2018. Paranoia. Subject reports feeling like she's being watched when working within the SCP-6666 cavern. Leonardo Neves, May 4, 2018, Depression. Subject reports general feeling of malaise. Sam Allison, July 13, 2018, Anxiety. Subject reports feeling generalized anxiety after awakening. Victor Cross, September 9, 2018, Bad Dreams Anxiety. Subject reports generalized anxiety and bad dreams. Vivian Delgado, September 29, 2018, Suicidal Thoughts. Subject expresses general feelings of despair, referred to specialist. Cesar Lorenzo, October 2, 2018, Depression, Bad Dreams. Subject reports general depression, unsettling dreams. Antonio Ruiz, November 14, 2018, Anxiety, Bad Dreams. Subject reports bad dreams. Benicio Chaves, November 18, 2018. Anxiety, bad dreams. Subject reports vivid dream of a monster killing his mother. Janice DeCampos, November 28, 2018. Anxiety. Subject reports general feeling of unease after awakening. Claiborne Antunes, December 28, 2018. Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills his daughter. Antonio Cordero, January 3, 2019. Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills his wife. Anita Wells. January 4, 2019. Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills her brother. Paloma Meireles, January 15, 2019. Anxiety, bad dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills her daughter. Geraldo Hamamura, January 23, 2019. Fear, bad dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills him. Lee Winslow, February 3rd, 2019. 
Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills his son. Anoldo Esteves. February 12th, 2019. Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein they are trying to scream but cannot. Daniel Diasunson. March 15th, 2019. Anxiety. Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes kills every human at Sapphos. Kyle Williamson, March 23rd, 2019. Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports a vivid dream wherein a monster with six eyes devours them. Lucas Oliveira, April 28th, 2019. Panic Anxiety Bad Dreams. Subject reports feeling extreme unease at all times while on assignment and reports experiencing multiple vivid dreams wherein a monster with six eyes consumes his family. Augusto Brago, May 3, 2019. Panic. Bad dreams. Subject reports feeling extreme panic, shows signs of self-inflicted injury, and reports vivid dreams wherein a monster with six eyes is eating their heart. Diego da Costa, May 11, 2019. Panic, bad dreams, suicidal thoughts. Subject reports generalized overwhelming panic, has made recent attempts on their own life, and reports vivid dreams wherein they are trapped in a hole while a monster with six eyes devours their mother. Addendum 6666.9, Operation Cauterize After Action Report. 11.45 p.m. Mark 7 drones Ulysses, Hero, and Aster are fitted with 45 kilograms each of high-density polypropylene spray foam. 12 o'clock a.m. Ulysses, Hero, and Aster depart Delta Tower en route to SCP-6666. 12-16. Drones arrive at SCP-6666. 12-23. Drones report in position at the opening in SCP-6666. SCP-6666-A showing no sign of unusual behavior. 1226. Drones begin spraying foam over the opening in SCP-6666. No unusual activity detected. 1227. SCP-6666-A turns to face Ulysses' drone. Drone is instructed to strafe SCP-6666-A to confirm recognition. 1228, SCP-6666-A follows Ulysses' drone with its eyes. 1230, first application of foam begins to set. 1231, SCP-6666-A touches the now hardened foam. After a few moments, the entity begins to attempt to pull the foam away from its body. 1232, HET, one authorized to attempt tranquilization. Ulysses' drone fires three tranquilizer darts into the chest of SCP-6666-A. SCP-6666-A destroys Ulysses' drone with its spear before the drone can react. Hero and Aster drones pull back to a safe distance. SCP-6666-A resumes attempting to remove the foam around its waist. Het-1 launches three steel cable bolts from Charlie Tower. The first bolt strikes SCP-6666-A's spear arm and wraps it to the entity's body. The second and third bolts strike flush on the side of the entity, pinning it to SCP-6666. 1233, 
SCP-6666-A begins pulling against its restraints. The cable is noted as beginning to buckle. The second cable bolt snaps, narrowly missing the Aster drone. Het, one team launches a 3 inches Kevlar guy line at SCP-6666-A. The Kevlar guy line strikes SCP-6666-A, pinning the entity fully to SCP-6666. SCP-6666-A continues to try and grab at the cable with its two smaller arms. 1234, Het, one launches two more steel cable bolts. The first strike SCP-6666-A's middle arm, pinning it to its side. The second catches SCP-6666-A in the groove between its middle and lower arm, anchoring the entity sideways against SCP-6666. 1235. Aster and Hero Drones reapproach SCP-6666. SCP-6666-A struggles against its restraints, but is incapable of moving. SCP-6666-A vocalizes loudly but does not move. Aster and Hero continue applying spray foam to SCP-6666. Periodically, both drones return to Charlie Tower to swap canisters out as they are consumed. 1252. Astor and Hero both confirm their final canisters have been depleted. The opening in SCP-6666's side is considered fully covered. Nearby surveillance drones report a full cessation of the smoke exuding from the opening. 1253. Aster and Hero depart for Delta Tower. 1306. Aster and Hero arrive at Delta Tower. Addendum 6666.10, SCP-343 interview. The following is the transcript of an interview conducted by Foundation Senior Staff Dr. Alto Clef and SCP-343. Dr. Clef was approved to perform the interview due to his natural resistance against anomalous alteration. SCP-343. Ah, yes, young Alto, my child. Come in, please. Have a seat. Or should I make a seat for you? SCP-343 manifests a chair next to Dr. Clef, who remains standing. Dr. Clef. No, thanks. Look, we both know I'm only here because we need to make sure you don't try to fuck around with this interview. I hate doing these, so I'm going to need you to be straight with me because I don't want to be here all day. Come now, Alto. I've always enjoyed our chats. I haven't. Anyway, we've learned a couple of interesting new things about you recently. Well, who can truly say to know the mystery of God's nature? I know your age, first of all, which is... Ageless as the universe. Not that, and I know your name. You're Methuselah the Arcanist, Royal Vizier of the ancient House of Malidrog. I... 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 Excuse me. It's a pretty easy question, just yes or... I don't... What? How do you know about that? Kane gave you away. Said if he'd known you were living here, he would have warned us ages ago. Also said you were a legendary conman and grifter with delusions of grandeur. I mean, delusions feels like a little much. God damn it, Kane. Kane the Wanderer, Planeswalker, bastard. So is that a yes or no? Uh, I mean, yes, I suppose, but I have not gone by that name in Christ in a long, long time. Honestly, I'm kind of annoyed he even knew who I was. I worked very hard to try and keep my distance from him and his ilk. Dusty old creeps from the old eons of time who should have done us all a good favor and died when the first man did. Where are you from then? Look, I... All right, fine. I'll cooperate, but know this. Even my great mind is not infallible, dear Alto. 
Kane can remember all things, but I, uh, I can't. Not quite in the same way. I have stored some memories away, though, and these may be, may be useful to you in some way. Where are you from? Goodness, calm down. Okay, where am I from? It's funny, you know, how things repeat themselves. The world was a more magical place back then, but for all that arcane energy, everything looked the same as it does now. Not now as in this minute, but now as in these last few millennia. I was born a long time ago, in a place that has not existed since the seas rose. My name was Matthew, or rather, do you know what the first languages were? Egyptian. Ah, you'd think so, but you'd be wrong. They were Canaanite languages, literally named after Cain, that scoundrel, since he was probably the first person to ever write something down. We didn't have a little of distinctions for it back then, but it was similar to Phoenician, or at least the alphabet was similar. We just called it the Canaan tongue. Anyway, my name was Matthew, and my mother's name was Myra. My father was, actually, I don't know if I remember his name, Peculiar. He was a royal official for the king in the valley, Ulem. I grew up in the court of that house. Funny how fast that came back. Do you know how long it has been since I spoke in Cain's tongue? How strange. What was the house of Apollyon? Ah, they were the Sky Kings. Styled themselves the mightiest and most ancient kingdom of men. People would tell stories about how King Apollyon had stolen some great treasure from the court of the gods, and it gave him dominion over the kingdoms. I don't know how much truth there was to it, but that's what people said. What happened to them? House Apollyon. Oh well, that's hard to say, I think. They were the greatest power in the world right up until the moment they weren't. There was a campaign, I think. Apollyon would call young men to serve in his armies, and all the great houses would have to answer, you know. And I distinctly remember there being some kind of campaign. Then, the king died or was killed, and his son died too, I think. Let me think for a moment. Oh yes, I'm sorry. I remember best in parable, I think. This is the story of the four knights. Three betrayed him, one loved him, and went to his doom trying to please him. What were their names? I can't say I would know how they would translate, but it was Lahaya, Lancelt, Egia, and Hector, if I'm not mistaken. The first three were the betrayers, and the last one was the knight he loved. Something like that. I think there was a curse as well. Regardless, as for what happened to them, I don't know. One day their messages stopped coming, and the next day there was smoke over the mountains of Apollyona. You would get bits and pieces over time from travelers talking about a monster with many faces and a creature that killed any who looked at it. What is it? Just talking about it now, there are things that come back. I couldn't have been... God, maybe a boy. A young man, even. There was this... How do you even describe it? This roiling horror. A demon with six eyes. The size of a mountain. Crashing and screaming and dragging its way to the north, away from the sea. Horrible to look at. I remember a man telling me that the monster was a creature of the old world. Something queer in origin. I didn't know what that meant then, but the timing was right, I think. It would have had to come from Apollyona. It had these horrible steel chains all over its arms, I think, and... Yes. Certainly some doom came to Apollyon, though the nature of it escapes me now. All right. What do you know about the children of the night, then? Silence. Jesus, are you all right? SCP-343 starts shaking. I... I... Hey, Control, can we get medical or... No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm fine. I... They called them that. The fairies called them that, I mean... 
made it more palatable, maybe. Whatever blasphemy they had to commit to conjure them up. I'm sorry, Alto. I... It's been such a long time, there is a lot I've forgotten over the years. I don't think I really considered that when I put that blood in me to... to prolong my life, you know. But you do forget things, for better or worse, but I can't... I can't forget that. I can't forget them. What were they? I was a young wizard at the time, no more than 60 or 70 years old in the early years of my life. I had left Ulam years prior after my mother took ill and passed, and travelled to the desert to study under the sorcerer Relevine of the Deva, in Malidrog. We were so far from the sea I don't think anyone ever expected. What happened? I do not truly know why they exist. There were stories. There are always stories. People would talk about how a fairy king prayed for a knight to save him from a dragon, and the knight was a man without a soul, or something. We knew about the fairies, even if most people had never seen one before. They lived across the sea, and there was this, this white city on the coast. I can't remember the name, but you could go there, and on starry nights the fairies would come and you could trade with them. But the interlopers, they lived with the fairies, in the woods beyond the sea. Oh, that's what the story said. They were a fairy tale monster, Alto, like a boogeyman or a ghoul. Something that mothers would warn their children about at night. Something you'd think of any time you heard something shuffling around in the dark. A horror lost over time. I remember the first time we laid eyes on them. It was on a summer night and there was a dune that rose high above our citadel to the west. You could see them from all that distance. They were these massive things, taller by far than any man, covered in black and grey matted hair all over their bodies. They were like... Like if someone described a man to you, but they had never really seen a man themselves. Their eyes glowed in the dark, and they just stood there, shoulder to shoulder, maybe fifty of them in a row. We tried to approach them and communicate, but they just stared at us. They made this, this horrible noise, like a child giggling, this half-chattering inhuman laughter. And they would sing these, these eerie songs in high-pitched voices. My master was the High Magistrate an extremely powerful figure in his own right, and he went out to disperse them. And they... they just... What did they do? They just... they pulled him apart like he was a toy. They just grabbed him slowly and they weren't... they weren't affected by his magic at all. They just started pulling on him and laughing, and they pulled him apart. Now this is where I decided to flee, but you couldn't run from them either. They were faster than any man, and stronger than any man. They couldn't be pierced with a spear, they weren't bothered by Arcana. They seemed to dislike fire, but they weren't harmed by it. They rounded us all up and bound us in these black chains, and then they dragged us back to their ships on the coast. I, I only survived by laying over the body of an old farmer, who begged and cried for three days straight. By the time we arrived, he had gone still, and when I flipped him over, everything left inside him fell out. The earth had reduced him by half, like pine against sandpaper. Silence. They took us onto their long ships, and there were so many of us we couldn't even lay down. After the first week things were better. Enough people had died and fallen that there was room enough to sit down on top of them. The interlopers didn't seem to know what to feed us. We got raw meat and seawater, which I was able to at least make potable. After a month, we arrived on the shores of the old forest of the fairies. But it was different than what you'd hear in the stories. They dragged us by our chains, living and dead, into the darkness, and we... I... 
All I remember was how dark it was, and how you could always feel their rotten hair brushing up against you, like they were right on top of you, watching. You'd feel one of them brush by, silently in the dark, and wonder if it was your turn. They hung our chains up in the trees, and they would come by and pull a person off their manacle, like picking a ripe apple, and then they would just play with you. They'd poke a man so hard their fingers would go straight through you, or squeeze someone so hard their eyes would come out of their faces. There was a god, a woman I remember now, who was pregnant, survived on the ship by eating her own dead mother, and she, they pulled her down and started doing their work, and then they, they just pulled her in half. Alto, it was like opening a bag of chips for them. It was, it was nothing. They'd barely react. Just make their horrible little laugh and play in the blood. They pulled her and just crushed it. They... Silence it. They never slept. Ever. You could try to sleep, but they'd be there watching you, eyes glued to you, and when you slept, it was worse. They were limited by reality and what they could do to you while you were awake. But they were in our dreams. After a while, we... We decided that's how they communicated. They talked to each other in nightmares, and that's why they kept us there, so we would have their nightmares and they could talk. They recorded their whole history in those nightmares, where you could see... We'd always see this. This one where there was this woman, a fairy, and all these other smaller fairies around her. And then you turn around and see a line of interlopers that stretched out as far as you could see, just watching her. They always felt so... miserable and sad. And you never really felt like they hated you, just that they didn't think like we did. How did you escape? Escape, huh? Nobody escaped. You escaped when you died. And if you died, they'd take your body to their, their god and they'd throw you in a pit. We said we... We said that when you went into the pit, you became part of the nightmare. Sometimes, while we slept, we would see the faces of our friends, but their faces were always twisted into these these grim mockeries of what they had been. But the eyes, the eyes, Alto, you could see them in there. Behind the mask of delusion, they were afraid. We weren't alone, though. There were others there, fairies of that forest who were bound in the same black iron as we were. They were broken in some way. I can't quite remember how, but there was something about them you couldn't say, or that would catch in the mouth. They were all shell-shocked, you know. They didn't, they weren't built for this sort of thing. I mean, neither were we, but there were those among us who were making plans, hatching schemes, those who wanted to leave the nightmare, you know. But the fairies, they were just broken. But we did escape, I suppose. There was this sorcerer, Noah, from the old house of Lament. He really put it all together. The interlopers, they needed us. They had to create horror for us because their whole culture relied on it. They couldn't even so much as speak to each other without our nightmares. Old Noah always said he had a plan, that he was going to get us out of there, and, well, then he disappeared. We thought he had been taken by the interlopers, dragged off to meet a cruel end, but... Then one day, the sun peeked through the treetops and all the flowers bloomed at the same time, everywhere. The next day it rained, and the day after that as well. It kept raining for a week, then a month, and by the time we finally found old Noah, his body was just a smoking husk covered in arcane symbols and fully spent. But it kept raining, and the valley started to fill up. I remember the first time we saw one of them die. The bastard slipped into a pit that had started to flood, and while those in the pit just swam away as the waters rose, the interloper just stood there, 
flat-footed at the bottom of the pit. He didn't float, he just watched the waters rise. The other interlopers gathered around and just stared down at him, singing their songs and chattering. But we realized then that they, they couldn't hear him, because none of us were sleeping, and he just... Well, he thrashed around for a bit at the end, but he never came out of the pit, and the waters kept rising. How'd you get away? Near the end, when the sea started to come up over the shoreline, they started rounding a bunch of us up, millions maybe, from all over the forest, and dragging them deeper into the woods. That's where their god was. But they got sloppy, or, or maybe they didn't notice, and we managed to sneak away. We didn't go alone. The fairies, the ones who still had their wits about them, came with us. We ran for the mountains to the south, and we had to... The path we took, we could see the forest for miles. Once we got over the tree line, you could just see out forever, it felt like. And that's when we saw it. What was it? Their dread god, Alto. Monstrous, festering, bloated like a corpse in the sun. It was so dark then. The sky was just black clouds and rain, but you could still see it. Red lights around its base and people hanging on its limbs. The fairies, the ones who were with us. There were a few who when they saw it, started weeping and fled back into the forest. You could hear it too, moaning and grinding and screaming, but the rest of us kept running, and one day the world was underwater. We lived on that mountain for a hundred years if I had to wager, and by the time the waters receded, the world was changed. The interlopers were gone, the fairies had retreated back to the old forest, and the rest of us just went on with our lives. Alto, I need to be gravely serious with you for a moment. I realize now that by asking this of me, you no doubt have reason to see these inquiries answered. It has long been my... my hope, and... my belief that the interlopers drowned at the bottom of the Great Flood, along with all those miserable poor people strung up in on their corpse god. But if you... if you find evidence that this is not true, that perhaps they... that they survived, Alto, I cannot do it again. Not after all this time. If it comes to it, I will... I will go away from here. I need you to tell me truthfully. Please, Alto, I need to know. I can't do it again. I can't go back into the dark. Don't worry, we don't have any reason to believe that. I wish I could trust you here, Alto, but I see the lie in your eyes. I don't need to bend reality to see it. Please, listen to me. You must not seek out these creatures. If you see them, you must flee, and know that even your flight might not be enough. Their civilization relies on our terror, Alto. Do you understand this? If they have been buried, they must remain buried. Please, please understand me. They must remain buried. <laughs>